Father, thank you for your word. And as we take time now as a community, as a family, to read and digest your word together, will you, by your Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts and our minds, into whatever it is we are going through experiencing at this time. And let the reality of the kingdom of God be our everyday experience. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Glad to have you all here for this last Sunday in Advent. I want to start this morning simply by reading the first verse that we're going to be looking at together. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. A couple of years ago, when I read those verses and I was studying them for a sermon. And what struck me about those verses was the spirit and the soul. That Mary is rejoicing, but the rejoicing, the joy that she feels, the song that she is singing, it's coming from inside, welling up out. It's not something that she's manufactured, something that she is forcing, So I don't know about you, but sometimes I come to church and I'm not necessarily in a church mood. It may have been family things. It could be other stuff, but you get here and you're kind of, but then maybe it's some of the music or something along the lines of the sermon, or maybe it's somebody that walked up to you and they gave you a hug and you start to feel a little bit better. And um, for Mary, it's not something external that happened. It wasn't listening to good music that suddenly made her go, oh, now I feel better. Something is going on inside of her that is welling up in joy. The picture I get, and this is a little over the top, but the picture I get is my dog. My dog, when it doesn't matter if it's 5 a.m. or 5 p.m., it doesn't matter if she is asleep, awake, partly asleep. If she's tired, it doesn't matter. When I walk in the room and she first sees me, you would think she had just won the lottery. She is so excited and the tail is just going like crazy and she is just, and, and the crazy thing is, I can walk out of the room for like five minutes and come back and it happens again. Like I'd been gone all day. She's just so excited to see me, and honestly, any of you. Like anybody who came to my house, you could get the same response. But it's like this unbridled joy inside of her that is welling up and coming out mostly in her tail. She's like knocking stuff over. That's like that joy from inside. That's what she has. Where does that come from? How is it that she has that? Especially, let's think about her circumstance for a minute. She has gone to see Elizabeth. 
she still has to go back and talk to her husband. She still has to go tell Joseph she's pregnant and deal with that whole thing. She still has all of the social issues she's going to have by having a child that people are going to think was the result of infidelity. She has all of these things hanging over her, and yet, here she is. With joy, she is singing. So let me give you a different dog story. In 2016, right around Thanksgiving, in L.A., there was a two-year-old German shepherd that got out. That two-year-old German shepherd was picked up and taken to a shelter. Now, it had a chip, and so the owners, they got a hold of the owners, and the owners came to the shelter, and when they walked in, and that dog saw their owners, she, the dog, did exactly what my dog did. Totally excited. Yay, they're here, and just wagging and going nuts, and they walk up to the little cage this dog is in, and after they greet their dog, they walk away. And not only do they walk away, they start looking at other dogs. And then they leave their dog there at the shelter. And what they told the shelter owner is, well, so this dog, this two-year-old German Shepherd, the dad dog died recently, and this dog has been sad and whimpering a lot, and they were tired of it. So they left her at the shelter. That is what I feel like a lot of life is like. Like these moments that we have where we think, ah, everything's finally good. The owners have showed up, and then what? It's like we get slapped in the face with something else. Some medical thing happens, some job thing happens, some relationship thing happens. Like, no, it was all good. No, it's not. See, that is what I feel like a lot of stories are. And you know what? Mary's story is a little like that. Why is she so joyful? And can we be that joyful? Can we be in the midst of being slapped in the face sometimes by life? Can we still have that kind of joy? Open up your Bible, if you would, to Luke chapter 1, if you haven't. Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at her song, and we're going to see what it is that she is singing about. So we know that she is magnifying God, that her spirit is rejoicing in God. Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things in me. Now, if you're following along, you'll see a comma right there. It's in the middle of verse 48. In Greek, there's a period. We're going to stop there. Because the thought in the next line actually goes with what follows. And this is the ending idea for this first part. I want to read it to you one more time and explain this. Why is Mary so filled with joy, even though she still has to face Joseph, even though she still is going to have to deal with the years it's going to take, the stigma, all of it? Why is she so filled with joy? 
Verse 48, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servants. Here's the thing about Mary and what she knows about herself. When the angel first shows up, she's frightened and she is wondering, why are you here? Why would you favor me? Because one thing Mary knows about herself, she is humble. And not in the sense of like, I want to be humble. No, she is poor. She comes from this almost unknown village. She is a little girl in a male-dominated society. She has nothing. She knows her humble estate. And yet, look at what she's singing. For he has looked. He's noticed me. Among everybody else, he's noticed me. And for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She should have no future. Not in any sense where she would be popular or people would remember her. She should have no legacy. If this were any other circumstance, Mary would just, she would be born, she would live in this little town, she would die, and nobody would know it. But this humble little girl says, from now on, people are gonna call me blessed from generation to generation. And I did not deserve this. And for he who is mighty, there's the flip side, I'm the humble one. Not, I am super humble. I'm actually humble. Like, I'm humbled, I'm poor, and I'm, but he is mighty. He is the mighty one. And it's the mighty one who has done great things for me. He has done this. Here's what she's saying. The reason, one of the reasons, that Mary has this unbridled joy coming from inside out is because not only has she been given a great gift, but she is recognizing the great giver of the gift. What she is seeing is the one behind the gift. Not just look what you've done, but wow, you are the mighty one and you have done this for me. How can I not rejoice? How can I not just be overwhelmed by the fact that the mighty one would recognize me and do this for me? It's not just recognizing the gift, but the giver of the gift that is bringing joy to Mary. So I just had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, and my daughter and I are very much alike. We share a lot of things, and I feel kind of bad for her. But nevertheless, we're a lot alike. Um, and, and two things we both really, really love Star Wars, in fact, we're going tonight to see it, just the two of us, and puns, bad jokes. We love both of them. And, and my daughter made something for me for my birthday that is one of the best birthday gifts I think I've ever received. For a couple of days, I kept like coming in to tell her goodnight, and she's like, no, 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 go away. But I'm supposed to tell you goodnight. That's what I do at night. I tuck you in even though you're 13, you're my daughter. I'm gonna do this until you're out of the house. And, and she kept shooing me away because she was putting together this little booklet. And, and this booklet, and I'm just gonna, you know, read a couple of these. And if you like puns and bad jokes, you'll love them. And if you don't, you'll be going, huh? It starts by saying, the, the front page, it's possible that Obi, one of us, thinks this is funny. (laughs) 
This depicts Han Solo giving Rey a serious talk. Han, do you know how Luke got around the forest moon of Endor after his speed bike crashed? Rey, no I don't. How? Han, Ewoked. How did Darth Vader know what Luke was getting him for his birthday? He felt his presence. Dinner with stormtroopers. Son, what's for dinner, Dad? Dad, Wookiee steak. Son, is it any good? It's a little chewy. And one of my favorites. What did Darth Vader say when he walked into a vegetarian restaurant? I find your lack of steak disturbing. I love this little book. Not only did it make me laugh, because I like dumb jokes and I like Star Wars, and these are dumb Star Wars jokes. I mean, how much better can you get than that? But I know that the giver really put a lot of thought, time, effort, not only into making the little book, where she drew like all these pictures, and, but because it was for me. Like this is not a general thing that you just give to anybody. This was my daddy loves Star Wars and we love bad jokes. I'm gonna make him a book. Do you know how loved and joyful I felt in getting this little booklet? Because of the giver not just the gift. That's what Mary is experiencing. She is recognizing God is the mighty one and I am the humble one and he has chosen to do something in my life. How can I not rejoice over that? He looked upon me. That's one thing. Here's the second. The second half of verse 49, beginning, which actually begins the sentence that starts at verse 50. And holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Here is what is happening in Mary. And it is something that is so profound. Um, I want for every person in this room, myself included, to experience what Mary is experiencing right now. Right? I know the Old Testament pretty well. Many of you know the Old Testament pretty well. I know the New Testament pretty well. Many of you know the New Testament pretty well. I can quote parts of it to you. I can talk theology with you. I can talk theory with you. We can conjecture all day long about stuff. But when it comes right down to it, the question is not, do you know this stuff? The question is, is it real? Do you believe it? And here's what I think is happening with Mary. You gotta personalize this. 
Hey, the angel shows up and says, you're favored, and Mary's going, why? Why would I ever be favored? Like, I, this humble little girl from Nazareth, why would you favor me? Because the people you favor are the rich, are the powerful, are the ones with a name, are the ones who know everything about the scripture. Those are the ones you favor. Why would you favor me? Because if you really know your Old Testament, who is it that God favors? The humble, the poor, the downtrodden. I mean, in actuality, theologically, she should have received the angel and thought, oh yeah, this makes sense, that you would pick this over something else. However, as much as we might know theology, a lot of times we don't really believe it. We don't take it in. It's not real for us. What's happening to Mary is she is finding out that the word of God is real because God just took a humble person and actually exalted her. And she's going, oh, wait a minute. These aren't just words. Look back at it now. Here's what she's saying. He is holy. He is above all things. He is separate from all creation. He is holy. And his mercy is really for those who fear him. It really is. He actually does give mercy. And he has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud, not just at the Tower of Babel. By the way, Mary, um, I want to give her some credit here. Not that she really needs it because, you know, she's with the Lord and so she's doing well. But I'm going to give her some credit here. I have studied a number of different commentaries on Mary. And they all treat her for the most part like she's this innocent little girl that doesn't know much. Boy, when you read this song, she is steeped in the Old Testament. Like, she knows her Bible. It's not just that he scattered the proud at Babel, at the Tower of Babel. He's still doing it. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones. Not just Pharaoh. Not just the king of Babylon. But he brings down the mighty, and he exalts those of humble estate. Me! He's actually done this. Like, it really happened. And he's filled the hungry with good things. And you might think of the woman at the well where Jesus says, I'm gonna feed you something we will never hunger again. And the rich he sent away empty. You think of the rich young ruler who came with so much promise and yet leaves with his head hung down. And she's going, this is real. Like the scriptures are real. God's word is real. His promises are real. That's why she's so overjoyed. It's hitting her in a very different way than it's hit her before. It's not just head knowledge. It's moving into her heart. It's moving into her soul and her spirit where the joy is welling up from. I read this story. Um, A woman wrote an opinion piece and she was talking about an adoption that that her family, she and her husband did. They adopted a 10-year-old little boy And this 10-year-old little boy had been in and out of foster care. He'd gone to a couple of different homes and been sent back. And so by the time this little boy was adopted by them, he was really, really gun-shy. I mean, they told him multiple times, we love you, this is your home now. They gave him his own room. But 
he never settled into the room. He used one little portion of the room and he kept all of his stuff like by the bag and just waiting for the moment they were going to send him back. And something happened that changed all of it. And this is what she was writing about. No matter what they told him, he would say yes, 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 but it never sunk in because his experience was telling him, no, at some point, you're going to reject me. Well, he was playing inside the house and he broke a lamp. And when the lamp crashed to the ground, he froze and then immediately went to his room. And his mom followed him to the room and he was in taking the few meager things that he had brought and he was putting them back into the duffel bag and he was crying. And his mom said, what are you doing? And he said, well, you're gonna get rid of me now. You're gonna send me back. And she said, we love you. We are not going to send you back. And he kept packing. And she said, we love you. We are not gonna send you back. And he stopped. And the mom said this, it began in him the process of finally embracing. This is his home. This is not a stayover. This is not a hotel. This is not just a place where you're going on a little retreat. And she said to him, we are unhappy that you broke the lamp, but that will never change our love for you. You belong here with us. And she said, I'm writing the piece because he began to believe it. And the reason she knew that is he moved into the room fully. Our theology has got to be more than what's in our heads. Because if it's only in our heads, when we actually need it, we're not going to see it. We're not going to lean into it. What are we going to do? We're going to rely on ourselves. It's what we're so good at. And Mary, she is rejoicing. She is flooded with joy because, number one, she's recognizing the giver. She's like, God really does these things for me. And you know what? The scriptures are real. God's word is real. And she is seeing that in her life. And it has changed everything for her. After those folks left the shelter, they posted it on Facebook. Got tons of response. They named the dog Zuzu. Those of you who know where that's from, it's a wonderful life. We'll talk about that in just a second. They named the dog, they put it on Facebook, all these people responded, including a private agency that does like rich dog adoptions. And they called the shelter and said, we want Zuzu. We're gonna make sure she gets a good home. And 
I mean, they just, they had lines of people ready to come adopt this two-year-old German shepherd. As I think of that name, and I think of the story, if you've not seen It's a Wonderful Life, please go watch It's a Wonderful Life. It's a great movie. But basically, George Bailey, the primary character, is getting an opportunity to see what life would be like if he never existed. Because he feels like his life means nothing. And right before that point happens where he gets that moment, he's with his daughter. And her daughter has these flowers. And the petals have started falling off. But this flower means everything to her. And so as a good dad, he begins to collect the petals and put them in his pocket so she's not seeing it. He's protecting her. It's going to be okay. So these petals are in his pocket. Well, then when the angel says, all right, you no longer exist. There's no record of you. There is no George Bailey. He reaches into his pocket, and the angel goes, those are gone too. And he realizes in that moment, even his children don't exist if he never existed. So later on in the movie, when he comes back to normal, comes back to reality, he reaches into his pocket and he feels the petals. And what happened to Mary happens to George. He is overwhelmed with joy. Not because of anything that he accomplished. Not because of some huge, massive thing that changed that he did, but because the most important thing in all of life is there. Relationships, family, his daughter. What matters more than anything? And here's what I want us to think about. Mary understood that the gift she was given was incredible, but the giver was even more incredible. That the present was amazing and wonderful, but it's who gave it to her. And that that one that, that would give her that would see her and recognize her and do something for her. Because it is the relationships in our lives that matter more than anything. And I can't even imagine, I mean, Anybody ever felt like your life just didn't mean anything? Like you're just stumbling along and you're like, I don't even know my purpose. I just, I mean, I felt that occasionally. But I cannot imagine being in George, George's position for a moment and going, okay, I got my opportunity where I don't have to worry about that because I never existed. And I lost my kids. Because our relationships are what matter. For her, for Mary, it was her relationship to God that was her greatest gift. For us, it is our relationship to God. And I want to encourage you more than anything this morning is when we hit Christmas morning to recognize the gift of Jesus. I encourage you to read the devotions because they're all about this idea, that gift of Christ, and recognize that the one who gave it to us but I want to encourage you also, as you start unwrapping things, 
parents as we start watching our kids unwrap things. It's about the relationships that we have more than anything else. It's about us being givers and receivers and seeing what it means to have people in our lives. First, God. Second, our families. But then also our friends, our community. Let that be the joy that is in you. God has noticed you. God's word is real. And God has blessed us with a relationship with him, with our families, and with one another. Let that be the joy of our Christmas. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you notice us. Thank you that no matter our estate, our humility, no matter where we are or where we were born, no matter our gender or our economic status, our race, you look upon us and love us. Father, help us to see you this Christmas and that relationship to be primary. Lord, and help us to know that your word, your promises, they really can be relied on. And as we do those things, Lord, let us embrace the truth that our relationships, our family, our friends, they really are what this is all about. And let us know joy. In Jesus' name, amen.